So greetings from Austin, everybody, uh, where I am, and uh, we'll, you'll, you'll see why I'm introducing it that way momentarily. Very excited today uh, to have the, uh, the legend, as I call him, the, the Mr. Rogers of Physical Media Collecting on, on the call with us here, uh, joining us on this interview today. Uh, Daisuke Beppu joining us from uh, Tokyo, where he's established a very strong brand with his uh, YouTube series, Greetings from Tokyo. So Daisuke, thank you so much for joining. Uh, greetings from Tokyo, and uh, thank you so much for inviting me. I'm I'm very honored, and it's uh, truly the pleasure is all mine. Thank you. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so Zach is also joining us today. I'm happy we were able to pull him. Once he found out that we were interviewing you, he uh, left work early to make sure that he was able to make this time. So Zach, if you want to say hi. Hello, greetings from uh, Virginia today. <laughs> Great. Uh, thank you. Yeah, I was, you know, I thought, Daisuke, if it's okay with you, I wanted to start off just briefly by introducing the way that I found you, uh, your, your YouTube series. Uh, you know, I, um, I, I had seen uh, Salo uh, a few years back and was very confused by it. <laughs> uh, and I was curious, I was looking online for why this film was so highly regarded. Uh, I would say that I didn't like it the first time through. And I found your video uh, and, and, and I heard in, I forget exactly if it's an hour or you know hour, 20 minutes, um, uh, thereabouts anyways, I can't remember exactly, but I heard this, this incredible uh, dissection of sort of you know, uh, critical review on the movie, uh, what Pasolini was trying to do what the film was trying to accomplish. It was a good, it was a very good breakdown and a very well-researched um, episode that I think gave a lot of credence to the movie and actually lifted the, the, the movie up in my mind, which then allowed me to go back several years later and have a much different experience of viewing it. Uh, and so that was my intro to, to your channel and to you. Uh, and before we get into that a little bit more, I was curious, Zach, do you, uh, do you mind uh, highlighting the way you found Daisuke? Um, I'm sure anyone who listens to this podcast knows I have a, a slight, a very small obsession, John Carpenter's films. <laughs> that wasn't obvious. Um, so when I was going through a run early last year, it had to have been probably right in January. I was actually just curious and see, you know, um, kind of different rankings people had done. And I just happened to search up uh, ranking of John Carpenter, see if there was any videos on it. And I found uh, Dice videos. Um a whole series of them, which were great. Um, that was a huge rabbit hole for me. But the very first one was probably the one for Assault on Precinct 13, if my memory serves me correctly. That's great. Thank you. Yeah, the reason I wanted to start that way is because, Daisuke, I'm hoping that there's more people that continue to find you. Uh, I'm constantly impressed with the, the research you do behind each episode and, and the intentionality you have in giving the, the creative talent behind the movie the respect that, that you know, they, they deserved. So I'm curious uh, to hear, maybe just right out of the gate, whether you wanna talk about these two specific episodes or just a more general question for you, how much prep time does it take for you for every episode that you, that you air? Well, thank you so much to both of you for sharing those two, two uh, uh, instances. Thank you so much indeed. I'm, wow, wow, that's, wow, I'm, I'm just, I'm quite overwhelmed 
actually by that, really. Um, so thank you so much for that. And uh, just very quickly, yes, so regards to the discussion on Salo, I think um, yeah, it's, a, it's a very kind of, how should I put it? It's a very tricky film. And I, for one, am, I, I struggle with it, that's for sure. And I continue to struggle with it as well. But I, and I, I don't consider myself at all an expert when it comes to that or any other film, uh, Pasolini work. Uh, however, it's, I think it's always, it's always, uh, um, there, there is a kind of purpose or design, I think, to that film. And so I, I just wanted to try to see if I could talk about that a little bit. I think, uh, if anything, so I could also try to figure it out in my own head how do I really feel about this film, this really yeah. difficult film? And so that was, I think, the one of the things that I wanted to do with that particular discussion, um, just to see if I could figure it out and if I could try to articulate why it is I'm trying to struggle with this and then just see what the background, because it has a very deep background, I would say. Yeah. Uh, so, but but thank you very much for for finding it again, I think it's just uh, there are many more places, many many more places, uh, which are much more uh, expert and much more uh, uh, advanced in terms of the detailed discussion than my 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 own simple video. So, uh, but uh, th that you found it and you watched it and uh, uh, the way that you described it, I'm very very touched indeed. So thank you very much for that. Uh, and then the uh, this Carpenter film. Uh, the Carpenter films. Yes, I'm a huge, huge fan of John Carpenter works uh, ever since I was a little kid. And uh, I, you mentioned Assault on Precinct 13. I mean, there's, there's that, there's so many others. I mean, the, I'm a, uh, I was, I'm a kid of the eighties. I grew up in the eighties. And so eighties and John Carpenter films in particular, just, they, they put me on, what's the phrase? They put me on cloud nine. And so where there and now with this that period maybe a year or so ago when we actually saw pretty much a a complete from different sources of course but maybe more or less a complete set of John Carpenter films feature films on physical media it felt like it was a, a good time to to talk about John Carpenter films which is something I always wanted to do so so the fact that you mentioned John Carpenter Zach I'm I am so psyched. I'm just, I am, I'm pumped. Thank you so much for that. Thank you. Thank you. It's all in the reflexes. That's, <laughs> exactly. Uh, no. uh, thank you for uh, the detailed discussion on them. It really, um, it really gave me a lot of perspective when I was, you know, kind of going through mine. I did a little something for our website and um, it was your video on Big Trouble in Little China that I think bumped it up a little bit ahead of Escape from New York for me because that uh, those probably um, that really opened my eyes a lot to how to that film in general. That makes me very happy to hear. Thank you so much, Zach. Thank you. Yeah, that is a, those two films are so great. Oh my goodness, yes. And uh, uh, they they uh, I like Escape from New. York. I don't want to go into too much detail, but I just love how it, Escape from New York has that wonderful. Both films too. They have that wonderful type of almost video game type of story architecture you go from one little mini adventure to the next and it's like going different levels up to the final boss so to speak or 
Uh, and it's I just that's a, a, those two are great examples of, of John Carpenter and why why we love him so much. So and those, of course, are just what a couple of many examples, as you know. So uh, well done. Thank you so much for that. Thank you. I'm sorry. I think I did. I no, I, that's I too much. So did I make, I know there was there another question in there? Oh, yes, yes. Something. Oh, yes. It was also about the time that it takes generally for preparation. Yeah. Oh, yes. Sorry. Yes. Sorry about that, Chris. So the um, I, I, I guess it really depends, too, on the nature of the film and the video discussion. Um, I maybe I could say, how should I explain? Maybe just to give an example, um, I try where possible to speak, for instance, about the Criterion Collection releases, mm -hmm. the, the recent releases, you know, the Blu-ray or now for some 4K UHD, et cetera. And so um, it maybe, uh, let's see, taking an example, I'm now going through the most recent releases uh, that have arrived in the mailbox for me. So that means like, and I'm starting actually from the first releases from January here. So I haven't even begun those discussions yet in earnest. So I'm now at the point of say uh, the celebration, uh, the Winterberg work celebration, the Dogma 95 work. Uh, and so maybe using that as an example. So it arrives in the mail and I just uh, maybe take a couple days before I actually put it into the player. Sometimes I put it in a meeting, but it depends on my work schedule because I have to work as well. So, uh, and I have to find time to actually watch the film, right? Because that's the most important thing is to watch uh -huh. the film and then to to try to absorb it. If I've seen it before, but I'll, I'll still watch it again. And then if there's a commentary track, I should maybe take some time uh, between the first watch and then the, and then the second watch, but in the second watch, I'll watch it with the commentary track. If there's more than one commentary track, which is kind of rare, but it does happen occasionally, then I'll take some time off and then uh, watch it again, maybe a few days later with that uh, second or uh, audio commentary track. So that process is there first. So that maybe takes, I don't know, depending on my work schedule, maybe a week, maybe two weeks, maybe even a month or more, who knows. And then after that, I have to let it sit and linger a little bit and just figure out what, what did I just watch? <laughs> what, what, what is, what, wow. how do I feel about this? What do, is it, uh, uh, what, what's going on here? What's going on there? Does it remind me of what I've seen before, what I've read here before? Those, that sort of thing happens uh, during or after that, that kind of consideration. So I don't know, it depends on the film, but maybe that takes, I don't know, maybe another, maybe let's say another week or two weeks or so. And then after that, or maybe alongside that, <clears throat> excuse me, then I'll watch the supplements and the, 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 the documentaries that are usually part of that. I'll, I, I want to watch each of them. Uh, and that's on offer in the supplements menu. So I'll just take a look at that and, and uh, see if there are any other things or clues or hints that those discussions will take me along uh, so I can then further think. So then that, that'll be another uh, maybe another week or so, maybe less, I don't know. And then after yeah. that, it'll just be a final, not just, not just uh, uh, kind of wrap up, but just, I usually, after that, I've watched everything. I've watched everything and I've then I've read the essay and I've looked through the booklet and I, I see what the essayist has made 
about points about that. And I'll try to go and then I'll try to do some some uh, just additional, how to say, process just to be sure that all the details that I feel like I, I, I feel like I've I've uh, that have uh, come to my attention over the, say, few weeks, several week process. I, I want to make sure that all the details are correct. So maybe I'll use that opportunity to try to 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 see what the the history is, what the sort of political context is, um, and then uh, just to uh, be sure that I, I kind of uh, feel comfortable with this particular point. You know, why was this point brought up in the context of the film? Why did the filmmaker speak about it in the commentary track? What what is yeah. the what is the significance of it as it's further discussed here? So it so that and then so if I if I know it generally, I'll still want to know it specifically. Or if I don't even know it generally, I, I want to know it generally and then specifically. So that could be say like a political event. That could be like a a social movement. It could be uh, something that maybe a filmmaker movement, etc. So, for instance, in the context of uh, the celebration, it was Dogma ninety five. Now, Dogma ninety five is as uh, you know, this is something that I was generally familiar with going into this, but I wouldn't call myself a Dogma ninety five expert by any stretch. So that meant that after watching the celebration and all the supplements, including the great documentary within that, which is focusing in on Dogma 95 and the whole movement and the filmmakers uh, that were involved primarily in that, and the manifesto, et cetera, and the rules and the rule breaking, et cetera, then I still wanted to be sure that I had a handle uh, on what it was and what it meant and what it meant to break the rules versus adhering to the rules, et cetera, et cetera. So all that, that's an example of how I, I just wanted to be sure that, that, uh, uh, that I had a good grasp of why this is significant because this is a very significant point of watching a film like the celebration and it's even embedded within the way in which criterion is presenting the mm -hmm. uh, the, the film itself as you know in terms of the physical media package so so it, it it all becomes i think that kind of say journey or adventure of exploration so then to answer your question finally because I have a, a tendency to, to speak too much and I apologize to, to you and to your listeners. Uh, but then just to wrap it up, then for instance, for the celebration, I could say it's taken maybe, um, I've been watching it now for maybe about three weeks or three and a half weeks. I want to do a discussion on it. I'm hoping, hoping to record the discussion on it um, uh, maybe later this evening, my time or tomorrow, I'm not sure if I'll be able to, but maybe one more thing. I, I usually tend to also like, I usually walk or I usually, uh, do other things. Maybe I'll, I'll take a walk, I'll walk my dog or maybe go to the park or something. And then just during that, I'll try to put in my head that kind of general framework of discussion. Oh, if I'm yeah. going to do a video on it, I want to talk about this point. I want to make sure to talk at that point. Or if I want to talk about such and such point, I want to bring up why I think it looks like this other film or by this other film, you know, that sort of thing. So I'll try to have a running uh, list in my head of the, the various points that I want to cover uh, if I were to ever do a discussion. So I'm actually doing that now with the celebration. I've just begun that discussion in my head with regard to the Garrett Bradley film Time. Um, I'm also doing that now with uh, an Angolopolis work. Uh, which is called The Traveling Players. Uh, and then also there's one other film that I hope to talk about in detail, which is called Rabid by Cronenberg. Oh, and also there's one other film too uh, called Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan, 
which I've seen many times, which I'll do a, a there's a, a, a discussion uh, a live stream that I'm planning to do uh, 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 tomorrow, in fact. So uh, so that's, yeah. So so there's these sort of running commentaries that I are not running commentary, but these are running notes that I'll keep, try to keep track of in my head as I go about my day eating lunch or, or drinking coffee. Yeah, I, I really like the way that you broke that down, actually. Um, uh, and, and it, you know, for anybody who's listened to the podcast for any length of time, I promise your ramblings are much more coherent than mine. So uh, please don't apologize for any of that. <laughs> we, have, we have three people that love to talk on the podcast. Um, but what I'll say is I, I really like the way you broke that down because that the, the immediate movie that comes to mind for me was Amarcord from Fellini. When I first saw the film, I, it didn't resonate with me in the way that I wanted it to because I, I'm a big fan of Fellini. But in going through the supplemental material, there was a phrase that jumped out at me where Fellini was attacking the uh, fascism as well as religion for essentially arresting the development of a nation. And seeing the movie through that lens, all of a sudden it opened up so much of the movie and the way characters were written and the way uh, the, the, the interaction between the scenes and the, the way that uh, the community responded to the, the military uh, in, in the movie. And just the whole movie opened up in a way that it actually became uh, Fellini that I loved dearly, as opposed to one that I was maybe neutral on or maybe even didn't really resonate with me that much at all in the first place. But it took that extra level of, of sort of marinating on it, going through some of the supplements and, uh, and going that level deeper and seeing it through the eyes of what Fellini was trying to accomplish and creating like almost an empathy for the film in a way. And then it opened it up for me. And that, that's the one I always go back to when I, uh, when, I, when I think about kind of what you just described. Oh, very interesting. Yes, uh, that, that has a, I, that, that, that I think you're, you bring up too, that's a really wonderful example. Um, and as you were speaking, I, I liked how you mentioned the phrase empathy. And the, this is also a very, uh, very great and also very important point that you refer to, which is, it's not necessarily, how should I put it? It's, it's not necessarily that we are listening to these commentaries or discussions, and it's not like we are agreeing with everything that is being said. It's not like we are trying to say, adhere to every single point that is being said or trying to be said within a film or even in the context of a discussion of the film. It is, it is the point of trying to understand a, a little bit more what is trying to be said in, in yes. a particular work, right? Yes, and then exactly. from there, we can go and see if we agree or disagree about this say, and that becomes our own say subjective context that becomes our own maybe political viewpoint that becomes our own maybe uh, lived in experience, right? But it, it's all, it comes down to what is trying to be said here. Now, also it's, it should be said, uh, which is that doesn't always mean that, and I get this, right? We, we, we don't take everything that is being told to us uh, on what's, what's the phrase, blind faith. And so it always means that it's always important to get as much context as possible. And so I think the, the Criterion Collection supplements, taking that as an example, I think is a good place always to start 
And it's always a good place to have a, a, a perspective, especially when we're talking about the creative voices behind each film. You mentioned Fellini. Uh, this is a very important voice when talking about uh, a film like Amacord or other Fellini works, obviously. And then it's mm -hmm. also very important to, to be sure that because the Criterion Collection does this so well as well, which is trying to get other voices as well. Because as we know, sometimes it's not just one voice that tells the story of a film. It's actually many voices. And sometimes those voices converge and align, but other times, and even in interesting ways, they diverge. <laughs> and then it, sometimes the, the, the question in one's mind is, why is there a point of diverging? Is it really kind of a clash of personalities on the set? That could be it. Or maybe there's something else going on as well. And so that, that, that's also a type of, and not, that, that's not always addressed in all the supplements, I'm, I'm, but that's always something that one can take further if one wants. So it's always like a nice jumping off point. And, and then finally, it's, it's a great thing too, because you say, I'm a chord, you know, and the, um, uh, the, the way in which it, it, it was trying maybe in a subtle or not so subtle way to be a type of critique, a, 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 a socio-political critique even. And right. so this, this, is, this, is a, this is, I think, a key point of Fellini's filmography that I think doesn't go as directly discussed. I mean, it's discussed, that's for sure, but it's not as, say, uh, directly discussed in the context of Fellini's uh, uh, filmography as it would be, say, and we mentioned Pasolini's work before. But it's still there. It is so much there, it, it, and it's uh, it's there in Amacord. It's there in other. It's uh, there in arguably in a film like uh, like La Dolce Vita. Or it's there in Juliet of the Spirits. It's uh, it's yeah. there in Fellini Satyricon, et cetera, et cetera. So so the fact that you uh, bring that up, I think is uh, it's it's uh, it's uh, a showing of of how I think valuable those uh, discoveries are in the case of the supplements, and also it's your uh, great power of uh, observation and. Uh, uh, and attention to detail, Chris. So, so well, well done, you. and thank you very much for reminding me of that. I, I didn't uh, re remember that until until you uh, you mentioned it. So now, I'm, after this, I'm going to go back and revisit that point to see see what the discussion was. So, thank you very much for 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 that inspiration. No, of course. Uh, thank you for saying that. You know, I'm curious as you bring this up. I'm wondering if there's even some nuance in your discussion because you know one of the things that that Zach and I connected on early on and continue to connect on is our love for genre cinema. And I'm thinking about some of these companies like Severin, for example, or Vinegar Syndrome. And it's, it's common for them to have maybe three commentary tracks, <laughs> right? Uh, and the, it's from a, uh, from a quantity standpoint, it's extremely impressive. Um, the quality of commentary, I don't want to besmirch anybody's name. It's certainly interesting to hear their voice. But, you know, outside of maybe uh, where this film fits in history or maybe, uh, you know, what the filmmaker was going through, if they had some financial difficulties or, you know, like there's a few points that are somewhat interesting for the production of the movie. Not every film needs three commentary tracks, <laughs> you know? So it, I think it's interesting to me when the film is layered and trying to say something, but I don't know, Zach, if, if, if you agree or if you, think I'm, uh, if you think I'm completely wrong in saying this, but sometimes I'll skip some of them because I'm like, eh, I think I get the film. I don't know if I necessarily need to listen to the, the third commentary track on, from, you know, assistant DP or something like that. A lot of my issue is I think if I was in film like itself, if I knew a lot of that, because when you start getting into like people who are deep behind the scenes where you're dealing with directors, a lot of them understand a lot of how to talk to and explain things in kind of easy ways. 
But then when you get to people who are much more on the technical side, it, it loses me a little. So I don't tend to listen <laughs> to them quite as often. Yeah. I'm just curious, you know, if, if that's true for you, Deske, or, or, you know, whatever, because I know that you have a deep love for genre films as well as, as the art house stuff. I don't know if there's any difference for you in the way you approach uh, these movies when you're as preparing for the episodes in the way that you're discussing. Oh, Yes, I, I, yes. So I, I totally get what you're saying. Totally. Which is, um, oh yes. Say three commentary tracks or four commentary tracks. I mean, that's, that looks great on a Blu-ray cover. <laughs> right. I know it, it does. It does. Or the back of the Blu-ray cover. And also, right. you know, in on all these sites, right. Blu-ray.com or something, you know, the, the special features it's, and so it, it, I, I understand that. So, it could be really good or again, cynically speaking, it could be just a marketing ploy. It could be just padding uh, just to uh, push up something uh, that is essentially maybe uh, something like that. So I get that, but it, right. But it, that becomes part of the fun. It's a kind of case by case thing. So, uh, so I think uh, I, I will wear, I will generally try to listen to everything. Uh, as possible now, as I uh, right as I say bef before, it doesn't always mean that I will either agree or enjoy the particular discussion. And indeed, even if there's say one commentary track or something, it's it's not always the case where I'll listen to a commentary track and I'll say, "Oh, that was really fun. That was great." You know, some there are some commentary tracks uh, that are that, for my money, are pretty pretty. Uh, I, uh, that was uh, that was kind of a uh, you know that it, it wasn't necessarily the most pleasant of experiences. Let me put it that yes, way. Exactly. So, so uh, but uh, you know, but I'll try, and that can be due to a number of things. Maybe it was just the the manner in which it the, the it was delivered. Maybe it was just the the direction of the discussion. Maybe it was the the tone of voice. Maybe it was just the deliveries. You know, there's all these things to commentary tracks and different deliveries and things. And sometimes they work, sometimes they don't work. So, and it, but what doesn't work for me might work wonders for others. And so uh, at the very least, I'll, I'll just try to listen in and see what, what, uh, what's being talked about. And then I, I should say finally too, uh, which is while I could say that there are, there have been commentary tracks and indeed quite a number that I haven't personally enjoyed there have been yet others that have not necessarily been from, say, the specific technical or specific filmmaking production side. In other words, there have been commentary tracks that have been from, say, uh, self-described fans of the film or self-described just uh uh, maybe uh, after the fact, they've they've seen the film many times and they'll want to talk about it. And those have uh, that those have been. Well, there have been instances where those have been the highlights of the release. Oh, for sure. Um, yeah, and and so they, and they have this great way. Like uh, for instance, uh, what's the film? Um, uh, it was uh, um, what's an example of this? Um, uh, the taking of Pelham one two three. The Taking of Pelham 123 was released on Blu-ray uh, a couple years ago, I think. Kino, uh, Kino Lorber Studio Classics, right? Yeah. 
and uh, Walter Matthau and uh, Robert Shaw. And uh, there, that is a great release. Now, one of the great things was there was a commentary track, uh, the Healy Brothers, I think. And they described themselves as uh, fans of the film. They grew up with the film. So, but they weren't necessarily directly related to the production of the film. So they're fans. Of, so it's a fan commentary track, essentially. Now, that being said, and there's nothing wrong with a fan commentary track. And one of the reasons is, this is an example. This is one of the most profoundly uh, engaging, thought-provoking, highly, highly detailed commentary tracks. And this is a great example of where a commentary track can really kind of surprise you and surprise you in a wonderful way. And so there are always these surprises, I think, in store uh, when it comes to commentary track or indeed other uh, types of uh, uh, supplemental material. Now, as I say, it can be a kind of hit or miss affair. And uh, there are indeed misses. And indeed, for my money, even within, say, the great halls of Criterion, uh, and I'm a, a Criterion fan, there have been quite a few misses. Uh, in, in my view, but there have been a lot of hits along the way. So, so uh, uh, it's, it, it, right. It's, it can be a mixed bag, but uh, mixed bag can also mean that there's a potential for a, a great surprise. So, yeah, no, totally. And I think that that co coincides well with the reason, you know, uh, the, the more films you watch, I think there's a tendency to just put something on. And if it's, if it's not the best film, that's okay because the next one will be good. And so that kind of goes with the supplements as well. Right? Um, you know, I'm I'm curious. Uh, we we we've spent uh, this this intro time talking about a lot of the present, and I wanted to get I wanted to start with that uh, just as a way of grounding people in the the kind of man behind the channel. Because I think uh, not that I would say anybody would ever take what you do for granted. I think your 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 comment section and the fan base you've created they have a deep respect for what you do. But that I just appreciate your willingness to go one level deeper there and really highlight the amount of effort it takes to produce one of these that, that we kind of casually listen to and and, uh, and nod our heads to. Um, so thank you for doing that. If you're okay, I'd like to go backwards in time just a little bit now and talk about more uh, early on. I was listening to an interview you had where you got into your childhood a little bit and you were in the uh, US and then, and then the UK uh, and then the US again. Um, and then uh, I think for college you mentioned and then ended up in, in, in Japan. Uh, did I get that timeline correct? Oh yes, you've done your research. Wow, I'm I'm very impressed. Yes, yes, that that's that is uh, the the general timeline. Okay, perfect. Um, one point of quick, just as a quick aside, I was in UK as the same at the same time as you. Actually, I, I was there. What, what sounds like a similar time. You gave rough timelines. I was there from '89 to '92 with my family, and there's this funny thing that happened. I don't. I'm curious if this happened to you as well. Because we ate meat and beef while we were over there, I'm actually not allowed to give blood for the rest of my life because there is a, this wave of mad cow disease that was sweeping through England at the time. And there's a possibility that I have traces of this disease in my blood. Uh, so I'm actually not allowed to give blood um, <laughs> because of wow. being in UK at that time. Wow. Wow. I, I, I do remember vaguely uh, this, this being around at the time. Yes, that's for sure. But uh, to be honest, I, I've never been been informed of this directly <laughs> from any any doctor that I've been to. So, um, uh, but uh, <laughs> but in any event, the yes, I was there around that same time. So so I was in um, uh, in what's called Surrey, England, 
uh, a little bit south of London at the time. So, um, oh, that's a really, really nice coincidence. We were there around the same time. Yeah, I was with North Northeastern uh, London, I guess. But anyways, uh, that's not not too much separation there. But wow. and then we this was this was around like what were some of the films around at the time that were being released? Do you remember? Well, I was okay. Let's see. I moved over there when we were seven, and I left when we were ten. So um, I would say I primarily was watching a lot of the what was on TV at the time. Um, uh, you know, a lot of the kids shows and I was really into Legos, heavily, heavily into Legos as a, as a young lad. So I would probably, I got into film a little bit later and, and um, uh, I discovered TV actually through MTV when we moved back to the U S and I got very obsessed with MTV <laughs> uh, at about 11 and 12 years old. But at that time, I can't speak to too much. Where, where, how old were you around that time? Oh gosh, it would have been what? Oh gosh. How old was I? Um, I would have been around maybe, oh, something like eight, nine, 10, yeah, something like that, maybe more around that time. So, but I remember films just, just generally speaking, you know, Dr. Who was on TV, uh, right. It was uh, Sylvester McCoy around that time, at least the one that I, keep, sticks in my mind. And then also, um, I, gosh, I don't know, films like. Oh, I'll forever gosh, I like, for neighbors and home and away stuck in my head if that means <laughs> that means so much i was there for the debut episode of home and away i remember yes. watching i was so hot i was so pumped oh oh tonight's gonna or today this afternoon i can see the debut episode of uh, tom and pippa and uh and their 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 family yeah in uh was it, I forget, Summer Bay. Yes, Summer Bay. <laughs> so yes, and neighbors, of course, Mrs. Mangle and uh, and Harold and Madge and uh, <laughs> Kylie Minogue was still, Kylie Minogue and Jason Donovan were, were, were still there while, when I began to watch it. So I'm sorry, I'm sorry, yes. I interrupted well, you, please continue. <laughs> yeah. And then Jason Donovan turned that into a career on the West End, uh, kind of the Broadway, I guess, equivalent. And then uh, obviously Kylie Minogue had her career, but um, uh yeah, you know, I'm curious. So we're about the similar ages then. So you, from what I understand, you got into movies because it was part of that VHS era and you had access to a lot of horror. Um, horror was kind of your, and, and maybe genre films now were kind of your gateway into movies. Is that right? Yeah, I think that's that's fair to say, yeah. And did that mostly happen after you moved back to the U.S. after the U.K.? Or were you even going into little chippy shops and then popping over into uh, uh, VHS stores and, uh, and renting some tapes at that point, too? Oh, no, it happened before we moved. It started before we moved to the U.K. So it was if if uh, again, I don't know the exact years, but uh, it would have been uh, in the early 80s. We would have we would have not yet moved to the U.K. And so this was even in the early 80s. It would have been, I, I still have memories of going to the, you know, my, my parents taking me or my mom taking me to the video store, the local video store. This was before Blockbuster uh, and the and those things. But, um, and then uh, uh, we would go and, and uh, rent tapes. Now my, uh, I was, uh, it was one of those things where you had to give the, the box to, the box over to the, to your, um, 
you know, to your parents or whoever, your guardian, your parents or whatever. And then they would go to the front desk and then the person at the front desk would take the empty box and then go to the back room and get the actual tape and give it to you. And you could rent it for whatever was a few days for new releases. It was always like a day or a couple of days. And then for uh, everything else was usually a week, I think. And then, so it was, yeah, so it was one of those things. So, so I think it was, if the box was, if the box was, um, was was uh, something that looked really just on its own just too scary or something i think my my mom would say no no you couldn't rent it. but <laughs> if the box would be something that looked kind of passable then i could probably get away with it and, and gonna rent it you know i was i was very much into horror films let me put it that way in genre films and fangoria magazine was still around uh wow. and so it was just this was pre-internet obviously uh, and then just so that was a, so so uh, so for instance so as an example I could probably I was able to rent uh, you know even PG films at the time like Jaws or Jaws three I mean these are pretty intense films to watch when you're say four or five but I was able to like to to watch because they were they were pretty common you know you could watch them and 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 suddenly I see all these like people getting eaten oh my goodness you know but it was it was uh, it was a very thrilling I mean it's a, it's a piece of a cinema entertainment you know and so it was uh, and yeah so it was and uh, and that sort of thing so I could probably rent get a you know have uh, watched those uh, VHS tapes but say for instance I wasn't able to rent until a little bit later um a film like like zombie the Lucio Fulci film zombie now that was a yeah. that was a box that was a VHS box with that oh, great yeah. zombie face you know we are going to eat you now there was no way my mom was ever going to let me <laughs> let me watch that so I had to I I caught up with that a little bit later I was still uh, still a kid, but I caught up with that a little bit later. But uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, again, yeah. So VHS days, yes. Those those were the days. Those were the days. I, uh, there was. I, excuse me for uh, interrupting you earlier. I was just gonna, on the point of um, hard PG movies. Zach was actually the one that tipped me up to this idea that um, uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre was fighting really hard to get a PG rating, and I find that amazing. Um, right? yeah, there, there was a whole thing with um, Hooper where he was talking to the uh, MPAA and the idea was that he, he kept in contact he's like okay I want to put a woman on a hook how can I make that PG and the guy <laughs> went, um, he's like I guess if you don't show it we, that might pass and he went through the whole thing and tried to make it and when it came in to actually for the review they said it's R he's like it didn't get X but he's like it, it was still R <laughs> But there was an innocence to the rating system, I think, in the 80s, where there's some stuff that even the stuff that was directed towards kids, uh, the themes in the movie were heavy (laughs) and probably a little mature for kids Uh, in some of the animation movies, as well as some of the the, the, live action movies. I just thought it was funny you brought that up. Um, You then transitioned from deep love for horror and genre, which it sounds like you still share uh, through, through your love for John Carpenter and uh, a lot of the stuff that you do talk about on your channel. Um, but you transition that into a, a deep appreciation and love for canonical cinema from around the world. Um, was that something that you set out to do or did that happen naturally? Is there any way you can kind of take us through a little bit of that journey for you? Oh, oh yes, sure. Um... I think it it was a kind of maybe 
how should, I don't know how, I don't know if it was organic or not organic. I'm not sure, but I think it was essentially, uh, and I can't pinpoint exactly the moment when maybe that thing kind of occurred. And, um, uh, but how, how should I explain it? Well, um, I guess when, if what you're referring to, I think is the idea of, of what one might call quote unquote world cinema or, or, or uh, maybe um, or what's the phrase off like quote unquote art house cinema. Right. And so, uh, or in other words, or maybe something which was, uh, how should I put it? Uh, the discovery of films that up to that point might not necessarily have been within my immediate bubble of films that I was was watching and like might let's my immediate comfort zone of films, let's put it that way. So these are completely out of my comfort zone range up to a certain point, and so the discovery of those began. Generally, um, gosh, it was again a, a rather it was based on accessibility, which was going to other. Uh, places, other video stores, other libraries that had uh, VHS tapes of these films. And oftentimes these could be, for example, VHS tapes of uh, uh, films uh, that were in the Janus Films collections. So that would be one source. And then another source was uh, my parents. And my parents would, uh, we, we would still be living outside of Japan, but my parents would try to uh, say watch as much say Japanese films as possible. So uh, not to not necessarily to show me, but just because they were really into Japanese films. And these Japanese films oftentimes would be films that you wouldn't be able to see anywhere. And even now, you wouldn't be able to see on a on a uh, say a physical media release outside of Japan. So uh, those two things I think collided around the same time. And also at the same time, I could say that I was growing, maybe I was starting into my teenage years. And, uh, you know, it, it could be, sometimes it could be a really fun time. Other times it could be kind of awkward time. And for me, I, it was a, I, you know, it was a very kind of awkward age for me because I was still trying, I was beginning to figure out, I was becoming confused about, about say, my own identity or my own sense of who I was, my own, say, cultural background. How do I deal with it while living in certain, you know, so these sorts of uh, questions were things that I was actually struggling with quite, quite deeply, I would say. And I was having a hard time trying to reconcile a lot of these things. And again, that's compounded by, again, all these feelings that become uh, part of, say, growing up into adolescence, into teenage years, et cetera, et cetera. So, so I would say with that feeling as well, I had this strong urge to want to, uh, for one thing, to want to watch more Japanese cinema. And so that led me on one road uh, to try to uh, seek out films. Now, the first filmmaker that kind of emerged was uh, Kurosawa in that, in that, and it, it almost happened almost accidentally because the only film or one of the only films that was available was uh, at, at the time uh, to me anyway, was the film Yojimbo from the early sixties. And so uh, that, that was, uh, and it was a, a cropped tape. It was uh, with the, the titles in English um, and it had the, the subtitles burnt in 
uh, and it was, you know, white subtitling on a black and white film. So sometimes, it, you know, so that sort of thing. And then it had the title Yojimbo in English at the beginning with the credits, opening credits in English. So it was one of those prints, right? Yeah. And then also for me too, the, the soundtrack was such that uh, I couldn't catch, and my Japanese level uh, at the time was such that I couldn't catch all that was being said because also the... Um, and uh, actually, Toshiro Mifune or Mifune Toshiro as an actor, he's a, you know, sometimes, and this is one of the great traits about his, his acting style is that he, sometimes it's, it's like there is a, some, there are some moments of dialogue where it's actually quite difficult to pick up. And my parents too, we would, you know, we would just have so much fun. We love Toshiro Mifune films. And then one of the things we'd always talk about, or not always, but occasionally we just have a good time talking about it. Oh, that, that line, he said it in such a wonderfully, almost incomprehensible Toshiro Mufune-like way. And that's one of the great charming points about uh, a lot of his performances. Uh, and that certainly was the case for Yojimbo. And so I would be watching the film with uh, by myself or I'd be watching it with my parents. And then I'd try to stop and say, what did he just say there? And then they'd explain it to me. <laughs> uh, and so, and so that, that, so they were kind of, they were, so that, that became, uh, how should I put it? That, that became a really valuable thing because I was watching a Kurosawa film I was watching a film that, again, I had up, up to then very little knowledge of, of Japanese cinema. I still don't have that much knowledge of Japanese cinema, but that, you know, it was, it was back then it was even more so. And, uh, you know, it was also a good opportunity for me to uh, get a sense of say, not, I don't want to say my roots per se, but I just to get a sense of maybe I could watch a film like this from a filmmaker maker like Kurosawa. And maybe I could begin also to begin to try to maybe reconcile some of these confusions that I was having at the time in terms of my own, say, personality or my own sense of self and my own, say, uh, cultural identity, for lack of a better phrase. And at the same time, it provided me with this opportunity to watch a film like this with my parents. And so they were they were uh, we were it became a family thing. And so it, it, it this all became and it, it was so much fun. And I had such a great, great feeling coming out of that film. And I still do. And so from there, I felt, oh, gosh, this is something that is bringing me so much, say, joy and so much, um, so much fulfillment. And it so in other words, I feel more fulfilled at the end of the two hour running time than I did at the start of the two, run, two hour running time. And if I can feel this way about this film, what other things could be out there? And I think yeah. from there, it kind of grew. And so I just went back to the library and trying to see what other films were there. And then, that, and then I see, oh, there's this film here called, what is this film here called? Oh, it's The Seventh Seal. Oh, wow, this is interesting. Oh, let's see what, what, uh, what's going on here. And then, oh, what's this film? Oh, there's, there's uh, this film called Pickpocket. Robert Brisson or, or, you know, is, or, or Robert Brisson or something like that. And, oh, it's, this is not Robert Brisson. It's Robert Brisson. It's pickpocket. Oh, uh, and what's this film? My goodness, this is, a, this is a really radical way for me to see and, and engage in a story like this. And so that, but it became this huge, huge uh, uh, landmark milestone in my own head and in my own, say, what I like to call the cinema journey. And then just from there, just, I would say, just exploded. And then by the time I went into university, when there was this great library of films 
that I had essentially I had access to, I could watch because I was a student. And so I, I could just watch all these films. I never had the opportunity to watch, because I was just like daily, just consuming as many films as I could. And it just became, it just went from there. You know? uh, wow. That's great. And actually I know, I know Zach has a question, but before I get to that, I want to just as a point of uh, maybe just another point of comparison to similar upbringing, um, I grew up uh, as an American, but outside of the U.S., and so I had similar, uh, well, I don't want to speak for you. I had this uh, similar sense, at least, of a cultural identity confusion. Uh, ended up, for me, landing on the term of a third culture kid. I don't know if you're familiar with that term. Uh, but cinema has actually been a great way for me to reconcile this idea of being of the world and not necessarily of a particular country. Um, that That's probably a whole other podcast to talk about that um <laughs> but but world cinema has certainly played an important part in in the the way that i kind of define myself in in this world as well um so i just wanted to kind of call that out uh since you since you mentioned it well thank you i i this is an interesting i didn't i wasn't aware of this term so so i i look forward to listening to that uh, podcast discussion when it occurs Oh, I'm not saying we're recording one. I'm saying you and I might have a whole separate podcast. Here. Okay, uh, okay, <laughs> okay, sure, sure. <laughs> Sorry. Um, but no, you may want to look it up just out of curiosity because it's a, mm. it's specifically looking at people that are kind of, of of multiple cultural identities, right? Not necessarily rooted in one, but um, rooted in the idea of being of the world as opposed to of a, of a particular nationality, at least wholly of, uh, in that way. So it's, it's an interesting concept. Um, but um, yeah, I, I don't want to spend too much time on it today, but uh, it, it, you know, part of that, I guess, in, in answering these questions for myself, um, world cinema has certainly played a, a part in that because a lot of times films can easily traverse cultures or traverse countries, uh, in, even in the obscure stuff, like, or the more, more intense films, like Takashi Miike has a whole trilogy based off of uh, uh, Koreans living in Taiwan. Right. Uh, and and he's a Japanese director. So it's like an extra level there. It's interesting. So anyways, uh, there, there's it, it exists in, in multiple places. Um, just to switch gears for a second, uh, you kind of were talking about earlier uh, a lot of the work that goes into your YouTube videos and everything of the sort. One thing um, I personally struggle with and I was kind of curious about how you deal with it. Um, we write for our website, we do different reviews and I have a bad habit with like burnout where I'll go through and I can for two weeks go through and just burn through a bunch of different write-ups and do different sort of things. And then I just kind of, kind of get away from it for you. It's a different platform, but I have to imagine that you kind of can maybe deal with some of the same things. How would you deal with burnout in that sort of sense when you're kind of really into something and then you just kind of is there a way to keep yourself from i guess going overboard with it oh that's a very interesting question zach um i i suppose it i i feel first of all yes i i can definitely relate to you when you refer to this phenomenon called burnout which is essentially it could be not uh, exclusively to, of course, the act of, say, uh, uh, discussing cinema. It could be essentially anything. So when one is so intensely into something that it becomes uh, to the point of being uh, 
just exhausting <laughs> and just and it not just saps you of energy but you become aware of how energy sapped you have become yes so i think it and i i have i admit felt that way on occasion in the, the course of doing the youtube channel that i do um maybe i i would say that uh it's it's a very, I, I always remind myself that it's a very healthy thing to feel burnout. And I think it's the, it's essentially the body or the mind saying, uh, <laughs> I just need to take, I just need to take a little, little nap here. Can I have a, you know, that sort of thing. So I suppose that for me, for instance, um, I just maybe either uh, what's the phrase zone out. I'll just watch something that I could just, uh, just watch and just, uh, just feel free or maybe I won't even watch anything and, uh, just focus on something completely different. And, or maybe I'll have, maybe I'll, I'll say, oh, I can treat myself. Uh, you know, I, I usually have maybe if I have usually one scoop of vanilla ice cream, at the end of the the meal, well, today I'll I'll treat myself to a second scoop or something like that. So, so those little little things, I suppose, is is uh, is maybe how I would answer the question. So, I, I, I it's it's totally okay to turn off the 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 cinema uh, mode. It's totally okay to take a break from cinema, even if it's for a day or a month or a week or even or, or a month or weeks or or even more so. I think it's very good. I, it's 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 always. Uh, uh, because taking, uh, how should I put it? it it's, I don't know how you, uh, both of you feel, but whenever I do those sorts of, uh, what's the phrase, uh, what, what kind of, uh, what's the phrase you detox kind of cinema detox. <laughs> Sometimes that kind of cinema detox is, is really essential because you sort of cleanse everything. You do something completely different away from cinema and then you come back. And you feel you feel refreshed and energized. Oh, I'm ready to come back. And not only do you come back, but sometimes you come back in a way that it allows one to look at something in a completely new experience. Uh, and so you can watch something that you feel comfortable with, and you watch it again after taking this break, and it can become potentially something very, very new and refreshing. So I, I always find that that possibility to be uh, to be very uh, uh, exciting indeed. So. So yes, to to answer your question, I, I strongly believe in taking breaks, and I strongly believe in in uh, taking as long a break as you need, and even if it can be a year, a couple of years, that's completely fine, because uh, when you return, I think the return can potentially be very, very exciting indeed. One of the things you mentioned that kind of reminded me of this, you were talking about like you know you kind of watch something just to watch it. Do you do you ever find it hard? to watch a movie and not have the reviewer part of you like have a switch on that says analyze, analyze, analyze. Oh. Well, that's an interesting question. I, I think, um, uh, let's see. I, hmm, that's really interesting. I, I suppose I would say I don't have any, uh, I, I, I would, at least I think I don't, I, I don't, I, maybe if, Maybe I do and I don't realize it, but what I'm about to say is I don't necessarily see a film differently. How should I put it? If I, 
in other words, the the way that I, I'll talk about something on YouTube, or maybe if I if I watch a film and I think to the back in the back of my oh maybe this is something I want to talk about YouTube like the Criterion releases. That will usually be that's usually how I, I'll talk about a, or that's usually how I'll watch a film anyway, and it's just do I talk about it on YouTube or not? So I don't think of myself necessarily as a reviewer um, in that way. So, so to answer your question, I don't say, I don't see it in a, in a kind of uh, using maybe different hats. So if I, I'll see it, a film, and then it, maybe it, it'll, I'll respond to it maybe in the same way or a similar type of approach. Um, that being said, I'll tend to maybe be as, how should I put it? Um, if it's something that I, I'm not so familiar with, or if it's film that I'm totally unfamiliar with, then I'll probably be really, really attentive. If it's something that I've seen a hundred times, I might not necessarily be, I'll still be attentive, I would say, but maybe not so attentive per se, than I would say watching a film for the first time. I don't know if that makes any sense. If it does, doesn't, I apologize. No, it did. Thank you. I, I think that's very insightful because I, I, that's kind of the issue I have sometimes. And I, I think I think I've talked to this with a couple other people before too. And it's this idea that sometimes you, at least for me, I feel like you know if you watch something, you kind of get like wrapped into it a little bit, and you're not really letting the film be what it wants to be like sometimes you're like okay well this is kind of dumb and you're like well yeah it's it's supposed to be it's it's designed to be that way and you might get like overcritical with it oh interesting that's very interesting Did, does, are you referring to something like one's feelings or notions going into the film versus actually watching the film is that is that is yeah, I would say, you know, expectation definitely plays like that part in it. Like, you know, if you sit there like Chris, me and Chris both buy from Vinegar Syndrome, but you kind of have a preconceived notion of what it's supposed to be. And right. it's that idea to let it be what it wants, what it was made to be. Oh, sure. And I think I think the the idea of what's the what's the word like, um, you know, like a, the the idea of analysis and the idea of say critical thinking or the idea of a type of maybe uh, uh, examination of a film, shall we say? I think this is, these are the types of, I mean, these are, I mean, the, there are many ways to describe this. Another way to describe this, I would say, is watching the film or viewing the film. Now, of course, there are many different modes of watching. I totally get it. You know, the, they're what one could be called, like, say, active watching or passive watching, active participation, passive participation, and many uh, points along the spectrum. Uh, but that's that's true for any film. And so, at least I feel that way. So the the so in that way, I think there is essentially no divide or it, there potentially is no divide between, say, a film from, quote unquote, vinegar syndrome. And a film from, say, quote unquote, the Criterion Collection. I mean, it's it's all the same, and so, and I think, in fact, in fact, one of the great things is it's not how should I say it's this it's not necessarily the idea of of the expectation, but rather how one 
reacts to it and how one responds to it. And then how that reactional response is then translated or transmitted to other people. Like if someone can come to me and say, oh my goodness, it's, you know, I really, this film taught me so much. It, it brought me to it. I saw this or I saw that in this. So it, I'm, I'm saying it in very general terms because I say this film, you can put in essentially anything in there. And if I'm listening to that, oh, I want to really want to watch this film and see what's going on here. And so uh, that's that I feel like that becomes a really exciting thing, because not only do I I learn something about the film, I learn about a little bit about who this person is. And I think that's that becomes a very valuable journey. And so, um, uh, you know, I, I, I also want to say, too, that I many years ago, I had a I had a kind of experience online where I was I had uh, I was uh, friends with someone online and you know we had this common uh, uh, love of cinema and I think I made a passing joke I, I meant nothing by it uh, but I made a joke about uh, the film what's the what was the film Zombievers there's a film I think called Zombievers the the, the title is the, the combination of zombie and beavers so it was a combination of those two words to become the title Zombievers and so I have the blu-ray of it and so the, but I, I made it just a, a, a passing remark online saying, oh, you know, Zombievers, uh, 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 you know, kind of what a, what a silly, stupid film that, you know, that sort of thing. And uh, immediately, you know, this person said, you know, actually, I like Zombievers. And, you know, I thought that was a really fun, you know, I thought it was a fun film. And I, and I, I thought about that. And, she, you know, this person, she wasn't angry. She wasn't, she wasn't saying, oh, you know, uh, don't make fun of this film. You know, you're such a snob. She wasn't saying anything like that to me. But she said very earnestly, oh, you know, I like, I really like this film. And I thought about that. And I really thought, and it was many years ago, but I hadn't forgotten it, which is, you know, the, you know, she's right. You know, like, well, who am I <laughs> to be like, oh, something that has a title like this is kind of silly to me. Or I think it's, why do I feel that way? I mean, that, that's, that's really kind of weird. Why, why do I have that notion? And so from then on, I thought, you know, I really should not. I really should, if I'm going to speak about that, at least I should watch the film or at least I should really understand what was going on. And maybe trying to understand that maybe it was even the filmmakers are saying, oh, you know, I really, we really weren't thinking about it. We just wanted to have a good time. But that alone is, is discovering that becomes part of the, the journey or the engagement or the analysis of watching them. So therefore, you know, the, the type of critical thinking or analysis uh, that is involved in watching a film like Zombievers, I think is not just legitimate, but also very, very valuable and very worthwhile. And indeed, it, it really, it, it, it made me uh, not just uh, go to that film, but also it made me value this, this uh, friendship that I had with this person who, who really enjoyed it. So, so there's so much, I think, to, to learn. I, I learned so much from that. It became a really important life lesson for me, actually, in how to try to handle uh, cinema in a way that... Uh, um, and again, it's not necessarily to try to say, oh, I don't want to insult anyone. It's not like that necessarily, but it's more really just trying to feel what, what, what is it about my own preconceived notions of cinema? And what is it about my own, say, limitations on my view, viewing of cinema that makes me, that makes me, that made me feel that way? And then I try to say, okay, I, maybe I should look at it from a different uh, perspective. And so from that point, I, I tend to, to maybe shy away 
from, I mean, it's, I, I'm okay with the discussions, but I tend not to be involved or I tend to shy away from like the whole, what is it, you know, uh, the rock and Armageddon discussions in the Criterion Collection, you know, that's, I tend to be like, you know, okay, that's fine. But um, uh, in, in a similar manner, it's like, uh, this is a, th this is something that is, it's, it's, it's there because it's there. And so uh, you know, no, no one, you can watch it and have a good time with it, or you can, you can uh, go elsewhere because you, your time is precious. But that's, that's, I think, one of the great things about cinema, which is it, it provides such a vast ocean of experience. And what one person's, say, uh, uh, joke is, it could be another person's passion. So I'm, uh, I, I, I've learned that from Zombievers. And so and I, I'm constantly reminded of that. Uh, in a great way, uh, not just with the discussions online, but elsewhere. Uh, you know, one person's joke can be another person's passion. If that's the case, then that is a very fascinating discussion, uh, indeed. You know, I'm glad you uh, kind of brought up the whole online thing. Um, Chris mentioned a little earlier, you're very active in your comment section on YouTube. How was it, like, when you first started dealing with any sort of criticism? I mean, that's kind of the idea right that's kind of a hard step to take when you open yourself up to that that people are going to be critical and do you do you take it to heart do you learn from it or do you just kind of have to evaluate it in a sort, sort of way sure sure oh yes yes so yes i do the youtube channel and so comments i don't i don't turn off any comments i don't shut anything at least although youtube occasionally uh, automatically does it and I try to turn it off where I catch it but sometimes I can't catch it all uh, but but uh, uh, but uh, whenever I do I always un I always make sure everything is unblocked or something so I never block anything on purpose and so therefore I leave everything generally unblocked so everyone and anything is free and so I've received uh, I've received many sorts of, of comments both uh, very praiseworthy and also maybe very critical and also some that have been not just not critical, but somewhat mean spirited, I would say. So I've received my fair share um, and that's totally fair. Even the mean spirited ones, I think are totally fair. So I'll, I'll try to explain uh, my viewpoint, which is it's always hard. I get it. It's, it's hard to, to be criticized. It's hard to be like, oh, you know, uh, it, it's, it's not just criticized, but the, the, even the word criticized in the context of film discussion is a very, very a nuanced term. Um, I don't want to go into too many details because I, I I don't want to bore bore the both of you to to, to tears here. So if, if you get bored, please uh, interrupt me. But <laughs> the uh, uh, no seriously, please please do because I, I have this this is this is one of the things that people uh, I tend to get criticized for is just being too uh, too wordy. But the the um, uh, what was it? It's one thing to talk about films. It's one thing to express one's love of a film. And I get that. And you, you, you want to be just, you want to have a good time with things. I mean, this is not one's day job, I think, for the most part. It's not my day job, that's for sure. Uh, but in any event, it's, you just want to have fun. It's a kind of hobby. It's a pastime, as well as being something that's really, really important and really one is really passionate about. So, I, so in that type of maybe mindset, sure, Whenever you're talking about something and someone comes to you and says either, oh, I disagree, or, oh, uh, I disagree, I don't like this film, or I don't like the way you've phrased it, or I really hate the way you phrase it, or I don't like you, 
et cetera. It, it, it runs the gamut. And so in <laughs> any of those discussions, it's like, oh, 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 gosh, you know, you, you do feel a little bit down. I get that. I get that. However, however, it, I think doing something uh, like YouTube for me has been so valuable in that experience, which is I have um, tried to, as I say, maintain all that space as, as open as possible. And I truly believe, I really believe this, that voicing one's disappointment, voicings, voicing one's frustration, voicing one's displeasure, disagreement, even hatred, I think this is very, very valuable. Now, uh, you know, of course, there are different contexts. I get this. And, and it could go into something that is even more, uh, you know, maybe even a, a slightly political discussion. I don't want to go there, but I, I totally get this. It, it can be, uh, it can be quite, uh, quite a tricky thing. But in the context of film discussion, I think this is incredibly important. Now, um, the, the, the reason why is a film is a film. And film discussion is film discussion. Now, these, this is kind of a, a really, like, really, not, it's not a profound point, but it actually is, in my view, so simple. And because it's so simple, it's so profound, which is um, the, the uh, first of all, we are talking about films, right? We are talking about uh, cinema and we always, we feel free to talk about it. I feel free to talk about it. Oh, I think this part was good. This part was maybe uh, this, you know, I, can, I cannot begin to imagine what the artist must be feeling. The artists or filmmakers that made the film that I'm now talking about, how do they feel that I'm speaking about it this way? I'm not always talking about it in super, super glowing terms. Sometimes I'm somewhat this part or that part, or, and other people are that way too. So they are feeling this on a constant basis, right? They are being praised and criticized. So I cannot sympathize, sympathize with that because I'm not an artist. However, however, if I'm talking about something and I am subject to a similar type of, say, praise and criticism because of the, the fact I'm doing this, I make a video on something and it gets comments or it gets upvoted or downvoted or something, that is not the same, but it is somewhat similar in my view to, say, the creative process or the creative person dealing with that type of area called reactions. And if that's the case, then I feel it's very valuable for me because I can, as I say, I'm not an artist, but I can feel like, oh, I can understand the idea behind what it means to make something and then bring it out there. And so that helps me also to see a film in that way and to try to, how should I put it? Try to think about <laughs> how I could best communicate what it is I'm feeling while at the same time trying to keep that in mind. So that's one thing that's very valuable. And then another thing that's very valuable is, as I say, it becomes a, a varying degree of what, what, what one might call quote unquote negative reactions. But I, I wanna emphasize that it's, this is in quotes because negative reactions are themselves very varied and they can come in various points and things, and they can be of varying degrees. What one might term negative reaction to one's YouTube discussion might simply be someone else saying, I disagree with your take on the film. That is, some people might consider that a negative reaction. I don't, 
I consider that to be a disagreement. I feel this way, but he says, or she, she says, or whoever, they say on the other side, I have a different, I had a different reaction to this film. So I don't consider that insulting. I'm not offended by that at all. In fact, I think that's, that's great, right? Because there's nothing in the world that says, I mean, if the world was such that we all had to have the same reaction to the exact same film at the exact same time, it would be a really boring place indeed. So that, that I value that. And in fact, if I'm saying something, I like this film so much and someone says to me, you know, I didn't like the film. I don't consider that a negative reaction. Also, I don't consider it a negative reaction when someone says, you know, I don't agree with what you said here. I think what you said here is wrong. That is not a negative reaction. That to me is another disagreement because what it could mean is either what I said is something, but what this person is saying, I disagree with that. That is not necessarily an attack on me. I don't consider it that way. And so I, I, when I think about it, I think, but, oh, what did I say at that point? And I, re I return to that point in the video or something and I watch it and I say, oh, yeah, actually, you know, that person's right. I said this, but actually I'm wrong. Or, or I think, oh, no, actually, I said this, but I, I actually, I, I still agree with what I said. And so I thank you, but I, I don't necessarily see it that way because of X, Y, and Z. So that leads to yet another interesting discussion, right? And so I don't consider that a type of negative criticism or attack. Then when someone says to me, oh, you know, you have no, you, you have, uh, you, your presentation skills are poor. You should really consider doing this, that, and, and the other. Your editing is bad. You talk too much. You, you have, uh, you, uh, you, you ramble and you, you stutter or something like that. That's completely legitimate. That's fair because that's all about presentation and skills. Because as we know, we talk about this in cinema all the time too, which is, it's not just about the idea, it's about how the creative process or the creative filmmakers, how they present their ideas, the visuals, the camera work, the sounds, right? It, it, it spoils, the, 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 it spoils the, uh, the illusion if we see the boom mic in the corner there, or right. if, if something is cut inappropriately, we, we comment on it. We say, oh, the, this was a great concept. The editing was so, you know, that is all legitimate. And so that becomes its own little mini universe in the, in the scope of YouTube whenever I'm doing that as well. Now, I have a different approach that I say, you know, I, I, I'm right, there's only so much I can do and I'm not a reviewer, uh, but I totally get what you say and I totally get if you don't like how I present it. That's very, very fair. So you can either, but I can only do so much. You know, I can't adjust my style and my approach to every single critique like that. So I tend, tend to say, you know, I'm very sorry that you feel that way, but, um, and, uh, but I don't say it in a kind of defiance. I really mean this, you know, I, I try my best to cater. I really understand this type of process. I understand YouTube to a certain degree, not fully, but, but to a certain degree. And so my, my approach and style is, is very maybe primitive and amateurish, I get it, but there's only so much I can do because I'm not, I don't do this full time. And so, uh, I mean, and then there, so I always say if, if it really bothers you in terms of my style, then I'm sorry that I bothered you. Um, you you're always welcome back anytime. I'll try to improve, but I can't promise I can improve. I am listening, but I can't promise to answer to every single critique. So uh, YouTube is a, is a vast place. The internet is a vast place, I'm sure. And I don't mean this in a, a, a you know, brush off type of way. I really mean this sincerely which is I really hope that people who are critical of say my approach, uh, I hope they find the answer or the, the place on the internet or the, the library or, or whatever source that they are looking for. 
because it's not about me. I'm just, I'm nothing in this universe. It's about their own subjective cinema journey. And I hope that they find the answers to their questions. Now, so that that's, I, and then that's the old, that's the extent of what I'm able to say uh, in response to those critic, critiques. And then finally, I'm so sorry to, to extend this, but there's one other uh, source, which is the really mean-spirited uh, comments. There have been some really mean-spirited ones. Uh, <laughs> some, I've received some, some kind of racist uh, comments as well. Uh, uh -huh. But, uh, but th that, that I think, I, I must say that when I was first starting, this I think was was uh, was a little bit uh, um, maybe uh, off-putting, but now I, I don't. I, but I don't delete those. I keep those up because I always find it. I find it very important. So if you know if someone says to me, I you know like uh, I mean I don't want to mention any of them, but uh, but I'll just say, then I, I have this principle. I have a principle of. I will respond to everything. Everything that I receive. I, now I, I've been. I admit I've been uh, late in the past few weeks. I haven't res responded to the comments that I've received in the past few weeks, but I will get to those later. But my principle is: I respond to everything, even the nasty, mean-spirited ones. I respond to everything, and so that I think is a. I want to hope. I hope that my efforts to say even just the simplest no or the simplest thank you for taking the time to comment or thank you. I hope that is a type of message that people who are reading these things, right, see, which is I refuse to let that sort of stuff let me down. I refuse, I, 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 have, much more, I have much more important things to think about in my life than some random person in the world that I will never see saying like one or two lines that have a type of racist nature to them. I have much more important things to think about than that. And so this is where I say, I'm brushing you off and I'm gonna brush you off in a way that I'm giving you attention, I'm giving you time, and yet I am still refusing to let this get to me. And so that's where I draw the line with that sort of stuff. But I always say, I will never shut those comments down. I will never block them. I will never erase them. It's important to keep that stuff up. It's very important to keep that stuff up because to, to, to say this is something that I don't tolerate and I don't tolerate it by keeping it in the open, giving it sunlight. This is the most powerful form of, uh, of, uh, of a type of, uh, how should I put it? it it's, I think it's a very powerful way to show that uh, I don't, I don't like this sort of thing. I don't like it, so I will keep it up, that sort of thing. So, and then I keep it, I, I just forget about it and then just move on because I, I want to talk about, say, I don't know, written on the wind because that's much more fun. At, at the beginning of the episode, I um, maybe 10% jokingly referred to you as the Mr. Rogers of physical media collecting, but the spirit behind that comment was very closely tied into everything you just said. I think when I think about the characters like the Bob Rosses or um, the, uh, the Mr. Rogers or these characters that are famous for leading by compassion, uh, that I think it comes through very clearly in the way that you are on your channel. I think it comes through very clearly in the way that you communicate your intentions on, on forums such as this. Uh, and the word that I've always kind of associated with you is empathy. The word that I will add to that 
uh, now is I think what I heard from you and, and everything you just laid out was you have a sense of curiosity to things that come your way, not necessarily, you don't reject them immediately. You, not to say that you absorb them either, but you treat them with a sense of open curiosity and you, and you kind of treat them as these independent instances uh, and decide whether or not you should absorb them, but you give them all their fair light, which I think is a very um, mature uh, way of communication that not everybody can do. So, so thank you for being a source of that in, in a very toxic environment online. Otherwise. <laughs> oh, that's very kind of you to say. And I, I should say too that, you know, I get I totally get it. I, you know, the internet can be this fun place. It can be also a really scary place. I get it. I get it. But one other thing that always gives me kind of solace, which is um uh you know, is it the internet that's a bad place or is it is it you know, I don't want to be so overly grand here, but you know. I mean, in, in, a, in a kind of interesting way, it, it's good that we have the internet to kind of expose this sort of stuff because without the internet, I mean, <laughs> like, like, you know, p- people who would tend to have these feelings of just uh, intense, whatever it is, unpleasantness, wouldn't necessarily voice this or vocalize this. But the fact that the internet is there, it just it's just making it more in the open, so to speak. I mean, there are issues and problems, I get that, but you know, the internet's just something that maybe is showing something that is part of what has always been there since, since the dawn of, of history or whatever. It's just now it's, yeah. it's, this is a way of bringing it out into the open. So in, in that sort of way, it's a very valuable experience. Now, another thing on the other side of the coin of that is, of course, it is also bringing out, it's bringing out something that's always been there in the open, which is the idea of of reaching out and and uh, ex- making connections, and so uh, they and again, I don't want to be overly grand here, but it's it's just it just goes with the territory. I mean, how should I put it? I, I, right, you, you can meet like you can meet people <laughs> out there in the world, and they can just smile to your face and say, "Oh, hello, how are you?" And then in their back of their mind, they could be thinking, "Like, oh, you know, oh, this this is ah, oh, that sort yeah. of." But but sure. right, you wouldn't know it. But then with the internet, you kind of know. It. So it's like, oh, actually, it's it's a kind of lovely, valuable thing in an interesting, strange way to have that yeah. there as a means by which a little bit more gets revealed. And again, that in that idea of getting a little bit more information, uh, uh, potentially a lot of great things can happen. So that's certainly, yeah. but that's certainly I mean, true for for films and, and cinema discussion in a, po- just in a wonderful to build on way. Yeah, no, just to build on what you're saying, you know, Zach is in Virginia, I'm in Austin, Texas, and Adam, who was not able to make it today because of COVID uh, sickness, related sickness, is in Ireland, and we've never met in person. Um, may, may one day, who knows, that'd be great. Uh, but this entire podcast that we've built, uh, film discussion we have weekly, uh, the chance to, to speak to you has all been you know, created from, from a digital experience, right? This online experience. Uh, and so I fully agree and embrace the, the good that's there as well. Um, and, and we try to do our part to uh, bring attention to the people that are also doing it the right way, whether that's in, in building these physical media collections in the way that we think is, is the right way through beautiful packaging, you know, respect for the creators, um, or whether it's through people like yourself that, you know, kind of what we're, we're calling as like noted collectors, but essentially people that are passionate about the collection and the watching of these movies, maybe more so the watching, the collection is more of a byproduct. <laughs> um, but then, you know, are, are being positive forces. Uh, so, so we wanted to draw attention to that uh, as much as we can in our own way. 
Uh, so I, I think it's a great way to end uh, on that. There was a few highly tactical questions I had just as a way of getting to know you that have maybe not quite so deep implications, but are just more kind of things that we may or may not know about Dicegate. Are, are you okay if we sort of end with just a series of um, more rapid fire questions just to get to know you a little bit better? Sure, I'll, I'll, keep, my, I'll keep my responses to a, a brief minimum. <laughs> in that spirit. That's <laughs> not a comment towards what's happened so far. I just think <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> the nature of these questions tend to be a little bit more direct. That's all. Okay. We've, not we've a problem. Actually, just really quickly, I had this funny idea as you were kind of de, de, uh, explaining that very beautifully just now, your reaction to the comments. I was thinking uh, of, of a joke, a title for this episode of how Daisuke believes zombievers can cure the political divide in the U.S. Um, I, that's not really what we'll call it, but I think there was something very deep behind what you were saying, and I, I appreciated your insight today. Thank you. Um, Don't thank me. Thank thank this person who taught me this lesson. So, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, so, a couple of quick questions outside of Criterion, which we all know you love very deeply uh, and and have a very intimate relationship with. Uh, what is your favorite, uh, uh, I guess, boutique house to collect? Mm. Or or a few. It doesn't have to be one. <laughs> yeah, that's a thank you. I, I don't uh I don't I, I used to, but I not anymore. I don't collect, I don't have the same collecting uh approach as I once did before. And that's simply because I, I uh of funds. So but I, I think right now maybe powerhouse indicator. Um, and there's actually also another label, a Japanese label, uh, but that's pretty much it. I'm, I'm a big fan of Arrow and sh uh, Shout and Scream um, and uh, 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 Vinegar Syndrome, although my Vinegar Syndrome collection is very, very small. Uh, and then also uh, Kino uh, and then also Eureka, in particular, Masters of Cinema line, etc., but yeah. uh, my, I don't go and try to get as many of those as possible, if that makes any sense. So I just, I just always oh, interested in this particular uh, filmmaker film, and just happens to fall under these labels, etc. So that, that's probably how I'd best answer that question. Maybe, maybe another way to say it is uh, the the label that perhaps I have in terms of say quantity of titles after Criterion probably is probably are those three that I mentioned, which are uh, Scream, Shout, or Arrow, or Powerhouse Indicator. Do you mind, uh, what is the Japanese label? I'm curious because there are some, I, I just, there are some beautiful films coming from, whether it's Nakatsu Studios or Toy Studios, or just the history of Japanese cinema is very rich, and I, I don't know if it's being completely serviced in Region A. Yeah, sure. The, uh, there's a, it's, it's, I wouldn't call it a label per se. It's not like, a, it's, it doesn't have that same type of, of, uh, of branding in Japan or marketing. But there's, for example, there's a series of films, which is known as uh, ATG, Art Theater Guild, ATG. And so there's a, uh, a, a label called King Records, 
which is, I think, a, a cross-entertainment label, music, etc. But they also have a, a Blu-ray physical media uh, subdivision. And so they are releasing, or they have been able to release a number of these ATG films. ATG could be described as being a type of, of really uh, a kind of independent art house movement that really blossomed in the 60s arguably into the early 70s and it kind of changed in terms of uh, of, of, a, of a type of uh, of uh, uh, a movement into something more commercial arguably but still the ATG films films that are made under the ATG banner uh, are being released there so I'm, I'm a big fan of these ATG films that that's oh. one example yeah I mean these films and oftentimes they get no they get no uh, uh, release in outside of Japan, but maybe some examples of ATG or ATG related films might be, for instance, there was a great release of, of uh, it's, uh, um, it's called the uh, Yoshida box set, Kiju Yoshida. And this was uh, released by Arrow yeah. several years back. And it's the uh, uh, Eros uh, plus Massacre. Uh, and um uh, and those, so the, it's called the Yoshida box set. Now, this Yoshida box set is so so great, and it, it uh, these films could be said to be either part of or directly relevant to the the prime period of what I call the ATG movement. So, if you want to have a sense of what those films are, you can uh, visit those films in that box set. There, uh, I'm hoping that they could release more of these films. Like, there's a great filmmaker called Terayama. There's a great filmmaker called uh, Matsumoto. There's also a great filmmaker called Hara, uh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, uh, which don't get that many releases, but maybe one of these days. I'm hoping in particular of a, of a Terayama uh, set, if that could ever. I heard in the, a rumor that it might happen from Arrow, but I don't think maybe that's just a rumor. I don't know. I, I don't want to... Uh, I, I don't want to uh, say anything uh, that has been uh, uh, unfounded. Yeah, sure. So, But uh, if that were to happen, that would be great. But as I say, it hasn't happened yet, or it's happening a little bit. And Arrow's doing a really good job in trying to push that along. But there are so many films out there that haven't seen uh, releases outside of Japan. So that's an example of that. Oh, thank you. That's exactly what I was hoping you would get into. I think it's interesting to watch. 2022 seems to be the year of Shaw Brothers, building off of the momentum from 2021. Yes. yes. <laughs> Which is great. Um, and also maybe a little bit more under the radar, but it also seems to be the year for Cat 3 films from Hong Kong, which is great. Yes. Um, yes. And so as these uh, labels are competing on going deeper into film catalogs, I'm hoping that a lot more of these Southeast uh, Asian countries can get representation in the West because there's obviously some very rich histories of cinema that have only just started to become uh, tapped into, and that includes Japanese cinemas. Great. Um, what is, you kind of touched on this a little bit. If you are, you're having a long day, you want to put in a movie, but you don't want to be challenged. What type of movie are you watching? Don't want to be challenged. Interesting. You just want to relax. You want to mm -hmm. pour a, a glass of whatever you drink and relax and not think, what are you watching? Oh, okay. I see. I see. Okay. So it, it could be anything. It might be, uh, gosh, what would it be? Um, what would it be? I don't know. That's a really hard question. Um, it, oh gosh, 
Wow, that's a really but good question. It could be like a genre even. I'm not looking for a particular film. Just curious, like what is, what is that go-to type of movie for you that you're like, ah, you know what, tonight's been a kind of a rough day. I just want to go watch, um, you know, something blank. Um, I, uh, I it, late, okay, I, lately it's been actually, it's been two filmmakers lately um, that just really made me feel like for whatever reason, really great. Okay, so first is uh, Robert Bresson films. I mentioned his before. I know his films can become somewhat like dark and pretty heavy. Uh, in cool. terms of the subject matter and what happens to some of these characters. But I, I'm talking about just the feeling that I get uh, uh, after watching the film. There's this type of catharsis uh, in that. So, so, uh, but I still feel challenged by that film, but I still have a sense of like, at the end of the day, I, I oh, wow. Uh, watching a Robert Bresson film, that still is like wonderful times, I think, in terms of a viewing experience. That's one. The other experience is uh, lately, it's John Waters. John Waters films, uh, just really, they put a smile on my face every single time. And speaking of commentary tracks, we talked about before. Anytime you can get a John Waters film with a John Waters commentary track, you just, I'm, I'm there. I am absolutely there. It's just, uh, it's, it's, it's just, uh, he is, his, his films are just a, re a revelation. His films are, they are challenging but they can also help to kind of unwind and relax and kind of look at the world in a different way. I just, I think those are great. So those are maybe just recently the two films or two filmmakers that maybe come to mind right now. Um, yeah. Not to say that it's, it's, but they are both challenging, uh, but those are things that I would probably put on even if, you know, if I were at the end of a, a hard work day, for instance, that, that, that could be an example for me. Perfect. Thank you. Uh, and lastly, I'm always curious to make sure you have a chance to um, talk about what your, your, your main project, at least as far as I know, is your main project. So what's coming up next? I know that there's a, a, a scheduled, I hope I got this right, there's a scheduled series of live discussions on Star Trek. I know that's coming up and, and ongoing. Um, what else is coming up from uh, Greetings from Tokyo that you'd like to mention here? Oh, thank you. So the Criterion releases for 2022 discussions will begin it's just a matter of when i can sit down to record the discussions so the first one will be on the celebration uh, that will hopefully be up as soon as possible and then also i'm about ready to uh, to talk about the garrett bradley work time which was also released by criterion now i don't know about the i i know that there's been some interesting uh, uh news shall we say, about the recent release of A Hard Day's Night on 4K by Criterion. Mm. So I was able to get a copy of that. I pre-ordered it. And I, I, I got my copy of it before it became currently unavailable. It's still currently yeah. unavailable, right? I, yeah, so um, uh, so I don't know how I'm going to... I haven't... I, 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 to be honest, I'm just about... I was hoping to watch that that one uh, later tonight, if possible, to see what the what the issue actually is. I've heard what the issue is, but I just need to see directly what uh, what it shows on my on my own disc, and then so to see if I can discuss that. But uh, uh, then there's the piano, which I I, uh, I just received in the mail. I haven't opened it yet, unfortunately, but I hope to be able to do that. And then also um, uh, uh, some other included. Yeah, so so that's to say the Criterion uh, 2022 releases. 
uh, is something that I hope to continue. I've been able to talk about each of the Criterion releases since 2021. I'm sorry, 2020, excuse me. So each of the releases since January 2020, all the way, all the way up to December 2021, I've been able to talk about each of them. Uh, so I'm, I'm very proud about that. So I hope to continue that. And then also, uh, I, I, just between you and me, I haven't formally announced it yet, but I'm trying to see if I'm, I, I'd like to do a 30, what is it, 31 days of thing where I just sit down and release a video a day on a particular topic or subject of films. Last year, I did it on, what was it, 1970s disaster movies or what I consider to be a disaster movie. Now, my definition could have could have been completely off on some films, but what I consider to be the disaster movie from this period. So now I'm trying to figure out what the, the next theme is, 31 days of, of uh, you know, bl uh, blank. And so that blank is what I'm figuring out. So I have, I'm now thinking of two choices. And so this is uh, just between you and me and your listeners, uh, if anyone's interested. Uh, wow. What I'm considering is, is either 31 days of animation works or 31 days of uh, gangster films. So it's one of those two that I'm trying to figure out right now. And when wow. I make a decision, uh, I'll, I'll probably make a, uh, I'll probably start uh, in earnest uh, with that. So. Uh, wow, but, wonderful. Uh, Those both sound fascinating. Well, thank you for that glimpse. Um, and nice to, nice to get a scoop. <laughs> um, Daisuke, uh, thank you for this time today. Um, I asked for 30 to 45 minutes and you've been very gracious with your time. I don't know exactly where we are, but it's much more than that. Um, so thank you for giving me so much of your Saturday morning. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I hope to stay in touch. I hope to see you on, continue to see you on Reddit and I'll certainly continue to see the videos that you post. I have to admit, I'm probably not following your Star Trek videos. I, I, I hope that's okay to say. I hope everybody else does. I am, uh, yet to be christened into the world of Star Trek. Uh, not to say that I'm actively avoiding it, uh, but I'm a little bit intimidated to jump in. So I haven't yet. <laughs> so I'll wait to watch the, your series until I jump in. Cause I know that's quite an experience once you get going into that world. No problem at all. No, nothing to, to apologize for in the slightest. Thank you so much for that. And also I I'm so sorry to, to say, uh, I'm, I'm so sorry to drag along this because it's all my fault. I apologize for just blah, 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 blah. Sorry about that to you and your listeners. Uh, Chris and Zach, you have been so gracious so friendly behind the scenes. You reached out to me before and you were asking all these questions beforehand. Um, just, I don't know, your listeners, uh, right? Just, you guys are really, really great. Professional, kind, courteous, wonderful hosts. And so thank you. And, and also I do wanna say too that, um, uh, what is it? Um, uh, the Reddit group, this Criterion subreddit group has, this has been one of the great sources of like inspiration for me. And uh, I'm occasionally, I don't go as often to the group as I'd like to, and I apologize for that. But uh, uh, once in a while, uh, someone will say, oh, there's a, a post about you or something like that. And I say, oh, that's interesting. I'll just, uh, there's a, and I'll click, click on it or click on it. And oh, that's really kind. Well, wow, that's very nice of, of, of that particular person. So uh, I'm, I just want to say to to the subreddit group of Criterion, thank you so much. I I am so honored to be considered part of the group that you would accept me, and uh, whenever, every so often I'll try to post something, and uh, people have been so kind and and uh, very 
uh, welcoming. And so for anyone who uh, wants to comment on the YouTube channel, if you want to leave behind a comment, thank you so much. And if you say in the comment, you know, oh, I'm, I've, I'm from the Reddit group or I'm from the Criterion Server group, I will then I will do my best to respond immediately because I, I hold that group in such high regard. And so if you, if you mention that in the comment section, if you leave behind a comment on YouTube, I'll do my best to respond. Uh, really, I, I just want to say thank you so much uh, to, to that group uh, for the, the kind support uh, and the continuing uh, words of wisdom and uh, insight that uh, everyone provides. Well, yeah, and uh, that's, Thank you for bringing out the best of the internet. Um, Zach, I, I, any, any last words other than that? Just thank you, Deskin. I'll keep it short. Um, uh, I really appreciate you taking the time to do this. It really is very exciting to do. And thank you for answering as well as you did. Um, trust me, everyone is here to hear your answers. So don't ever feel bad about going on a little long that's what they're here for so i think i appreciated the time and i'm sure the listeners will as well absolutely thank you very much the two of you thank you zach thank you chris keep up the excellent work really thank you that wraps up this week's episode of they live by film if you want to read more of our thoughts visit theylivebyfilm.com and you can also follow our letterboxed reddit and instagram accounts from the links in the description for now take care <laughs>